Welcome to Crafted with Cradle, a curated conversation over cocktails with Charlotte's Best. This is Alvin C. Jacobs Jr. And as always, I'm enjoying high-end cocktails and spirits with Crafted with Cradle. Welcome to another edition of Crafted with Cradle. I am your host, Dr. Keith Cradle, and this is your podcast for curated conversations over cocktails with some of Charlotte Art's finest. And actually, this is our last show of season three. Um, we want to thank you all for hanging out with us all year long. We know it has been a roller coaster of a ride as it pertains to not only our own personal lives, but our personal health with COVID-19. So thank you all for riding with us all year as we continue to highlight art and culture in our city, how we can help continue to engage, how we can support, particularly in this precarious time that we know our artists need us um, even more now. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the show, you're familiar with our intro, but if you're not, we want to shout out Jason Jett. He does our theme music. Make sure you check that boy out, jasonjetmusic.com. He is definitely blowing up. Also, Sweet 929, Chuck Holiday in the background with the production. And remember, you can always catch the recast of this on sweet929.tv. And always with the production and the promotion, Jam Sham in the back, JSW Media, Jamika Witten, what up? Um, and we also love to promote products because, of course, it's all about getting that money, getting to the bag, getting to the check. So head over to the website, KeithCradle.com. You know the book is on sale, cut the check. We got that cheers jumping off too. The fragrance is bumping. And we got the new hashtag 914 for the summer. So listen, brothers, if you, if you need to smell right, get involved, man. Swipe the card. Ladies, if you want your man smelling like me, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and cop that bottle. But let's jump into the show. And I got two amazing brothers with me tonight. We're going to close this, this season out on a high note. We usually do that. Um, we kind of like Game of Thrones, um, you know, the, the, the season ender always leaves you wanting more. And so it was no better way to end season three um, without first bringing back one of my favorites, you know, one, one of my favorite artists. Um, you all know that most of his stuff is up on the walls in my home. So you see that when I do broadcast, he's been on the show before, I believe season one um, helped us kick this thing off when we first started. So if you can see that brother right there, he is Damn it, Wesley, that need really an intro for me because um, he's going to do a lot of talking tonight anyway. But Wesley, what's going on, brother? I'm doing pretty good, man. I like the intro. I feel like Chuck needs to come in with like the old school, like, you know, I need like the crowd to be riled up while entering, you know, I'll see your hall style. I think we could add that uh, post-production, you know. Okay, so. cool. And I got my man with me for the first time on the show, but I see him all the time. And Charlotte, you better be seeing him all the time if you're driving up and down Beatty's Ford Road right now, all the work that's getting done. Um, I got my brother Ricky Singh. Ricky, what's going on, man? Good, brother, good. Um, I'm going to need some sound effects also, just like What, what, what kind you want? What kind you want? Um, I can do a crowd, too. Crowd's good. <laughs> so, Chuck, you got, you, got your, you got your work cut out for you, man. So, um, Ricky, if this is your first time on the show. Wesley's familiar, but this is a drinking podcast. And so that doesn't mean you have to drink throughout the podcast, but we do ask questions about drinking um, because we want folk to get to know you a little bit more in depth, a little more impersonal. So for your first time on Crafting with Cradle, what is, what is your go-to cocktail? Um, I'm a, I think I'm, I'm more of a vodka drinker. Vodka man. I think I, 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 
<laughs> I drank a I drank a lot of dark when I was younger, so I kind of switched to switch to light. Um, but this evening I'm drinking dark, so okay. you know, kind of move back and forth. So it seems like it's a special occasion. You you moved on to the dark tonight. Is that just for us, or is it because it's getting cold outside? I mean, I normally drink vodka cocktails in the summer because I like to ice them down. But then as that you know that sun goes down at three thirty p.m. and it's getting yeah, cold, yeah, I go I mean, in the dark. It's definitely brick outside. So yeah, I, I grabbed the brown really quickly and headed out. Okay, Wesley, have your drinking? Uh, is your drinking changed, brother? Are you have you moved on to something new? Have you stepped it up? You uh, getting high? You getting highbrow? Because you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of press, a lot of money these days, brother. Listen, are you, man, you get highbrow on me, man. Listen, money will not change me because I'm too lazy to spend it. So. <laughs> I've never had issue saving, but as far as drinking goes, uh, I still love a a whiskey ginger. Uh, when it gets warm outside, finally, I'm going to be back on my mojito shit. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I'm looking for a nice smoky mezcal, hopefully south of the border. I would like to be able to travel to Mexico at some point. So when everybody finally puts on their masks and they take these vaccines and the borders are like, hey, we want Americans to come back. First thing smoking, I'm getting some of that good aguave tequila. In Mexico. Somewhere. So, you know, um, Casamigos has a good mezcal, too. I mean, you know, it, it is, it's more, you know, American produced, but I think their factory is in Mexico. But if you want a good mezcal. The, the, the smoky one? Yes. Yeah. Man, I don't like in, that. In the black like, bottle. It's in the black ooh, bottle. Listen, Wesley, look. you can have my bottle. I had like, I had like one sip of it and I was like, I can't do it. Listen, man, you're not supposed to drink it straight. Like, that's, no. a, you, you mix that. You mix that. I, well, I made a mistake and I drank it straight and I was like, oh my no. God. I was like, yo. Yeah, it'll toss you up. So I'm going to bring it to you this week. I can't do okay. it. Okay. I'll drop it off at the studio. We'll take it. <laughs> so, Ricky, tell everybody where you're from. I'm, I'm originally from New York. Um, moved to Charlotte um, about a little over a decade ago. So, originally from uh, Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And how long? So, how long? So, did you say how long you've been here? Yeah, I've been here uh, almost a decade. Ten years, so about ten years, yeah. And what brought you um, to Charlotte? Um, I think that I mean the answer I tell people, which is really the truth, is like the ability to own something. Mm -hmm. You know, like living in New York. Um, when I left New York, we were living in a you know five hundred square feet sub level a basement where you know you see feet out the window because you're below ground. Right. Um, and you know myself, my wife, you know two kids, one on the way. Um, I had some family move. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, back then, though. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I had some family move to South Carolina, and I went to visit them, and I was like, man, this is very starkly different, um, you know, coming from Brooklyn and going to, like, uh, I think they were in, like, Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then they brought Charleston. And yeah, yeah. You know, it was, like, the first time I saw a deer, and, like, you can't go to the store <laughs> after, like, 7 o'clock. <laughs> I was like, man, this might be a little too far rural. Um, and I had a cousin that had moved his wife and kid to Charlotte and was just commuting every weekend. And I came over here and um, I loved it. It kind of reminds me of like a Queens in New York. Mm -hmm. And then um, just slowly kind of waited for the right, the right job offer and was able to make the move. Nice, nice. Um, so, you know, and Wes, we know you're from South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, of course, you know, through our conversations, we know what got you here. So, so basically what I, what I want to do tonight, um, you know, this conversation basically has stemmed from what we have seen recently in Charlotte. One, um, with the BLM mural, 
Wesley, you, you had a, you had a strong hand in making sure the city, you know, we got that, we got that taken care of in the city. Um, and Ricky, you're doing similar work on Beatty's Ford road, which I think kind of mirrors, you know, where we're going in this conversation where the BLM mural was uptown, um, city supported. And then all of a sudden, you know, and again, and Wesley, you can give folk probably more in-depth details about, you know, the, the machinations, the behind the scenes, because for many of us, you know, once we realized when we heard that the city was going to move forward and open Tryon back up, huge uproar. People were upset. I knew I was tweeting. <laughs> um, and we saw, we definitely, we're going we're gonna to repeat some of the stuff on your IG. I'm going to pull it up. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Yelp Hell, I think, was probably the most, <laughs> when I seen that shit. Um, but then on the other side with Ricky, you know, you're, you're in Beatty's, you're on Beatty's Ford Road. I went to John C. Smith University, so familiar with that area and you're doing work. And so I think it, it provides context to hear about the, you know, the, the, two pro, the two opposites in which, you know, the work that's being done, that was already done, the work you're doing and how the city, I think, is trying to it, maybe appreciate it a little bit more or however this is gonna go. So I wanna make sure we get both perspectives because I feel like Ricky, you can kind of start is the Beatty's Ford Road project going to be more permanent? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we're working directly with um, owners, not the city. So right. um, I think the relationship we're trying to build with the owners is to like uh, create pieces of work that is going to be long standing and not for the moment. Right. I've heard Wesley say in a variety of artists, right. It's, it's not a moment, it's a movement. So I think by working with, um, historically black rooted families that are grown from the West End corridor allows like the power of these like beautiful pieces of work, whatever it might be, withstand the test of time, right? So like mm -hmm. I think about, you know, I just finished up, um, you know, something small as like, you know, the windows on Burnetta's like seafood market, right? Now, if you know Burnetta and West End, that, that uh, seafood market used to be a pharmacy I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And Brunetta was 13, 14 years old working in this pharmacy, right? So you hear her story. She used to work in this, the seafood market was a pharmacy. And she eventually, uh, you know, through time was able to purchase that building as well as the one behind her. And now you have the West End Seafood Market and you have her son that runs the shed right behind her, which is around mm -hmm. um, African drumming and musical instruments. So I think, um, yeah, I would say the long answer is yes, it is permanent um, because we're working directly with those that uh, historically have owned uh, pieces of property and land for an extended period of time. And we make sure that they are part of the story, right? It's not just, can I get your wall? I have something cool to paint, but it's how right. can I, how can we work together to tell the story? Um, so yeah, I think anything that we're doing on the West End is, is meant to be something that's permanent and, and stand the test of time. Um, there's no, there's nothing directly connected to the city of Charlotte yet uh, on the West End outside of some, some future placemaking stuff that's coming. So, so before I get to Wesley, Ricky, give, if we do have some white folk who watch and listen to the show. They may not drive down base for road at all. So if you can give them just a little bit of insight about what is happening and what you've been doing out there. Yeah, and some I mean, light-skinned Negroes too who don't drive down. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I think uh, you know we had that. So, I mean, when I first moved to Charlotte, 
you know, I bought a house on Beatty's Ford and um, was slowly realizing um, the connotations that Beatty's Ford had. And I realized it because I would ask, people would ask me where I'm from or where I'm, where I'm at. And I would tell them, they would always ask me, like, are you okay? And I didn't really understand, like, the location because coming from Brooklyn or coming from the projects in Fort Greene, Bed-Stuy, this was home. Being able to walk to the corner store, walk to the barbershop, it felt home to me. And slowly I realized that, like, oh, this is like the perceived hood and the block that I live on near LaSalle and Catherine Simmons is actually considered them one of the most dangerous blocks in the city. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also a firm believer that, like, it's the, you know, you put out good energy, you get that in return. And I've never had any issues growing up in Brooklyn or let alone on Beatty's Ford. Um, so I would say fast forward to the summer, we had that massacre that occurred and i say massacre because it wasn't a shooting right you had um hundreds of bullets flown in the air at hundreds of people um uh so the massacre happened um one of four or five that passed i've known and um at that point i had just um finished working with uh, uh denier davis who's also a, a great artist as well as many others on um, the wooden panels that the Charlotte Art League actually put up mm -hmm. um, on the block of the mural that um, Wesley and, and the other artists had put on the street. So I had just finished working on those wooden panels. The massacre had happened. I had known one of the people that had passed and I felt this sense of urgency of like, uh, we need to bring something to that side. And, I, and that's, that's really what it started with. I wanted to bring something to that side. I knew what had happened. And I wanted to do it. Uh, no funding, nothing. It was just, I need to find how to, who owns what property to give me what permission to do it. And that's sort of how it started. Um, and then it's kind of evolved into this Beatty's Ford Strong movement of placing um, more murals and artwork and, and getting more uh, particularly black creatives to be showcased on the West End. Um, but again, tied to stories. It's cool walking by in different neighborhoods and you see something pop up but it's different when you can walk by or when residents can walk by and feel like their words, feelings and thoughts and impressions um, were taken in consideration when that mural was put up. So I would say that everything on the West End now and hopefully will continue to be a part of the story that the residents want to tell. Um, so we have a, a few other walls planned actually in the next two months in November and December. Um, and that's what I think the movement is. It's really just bringing like meaningful community-based art and creatives to the West End. And I think it's an area that has historical value that maybe has been overlooked um, in a variety of areas. For sure. That's a long answer. But... It's all good. <laughs> we, we, like, we like long answers. Um, yeah. And I quote, we can only assume McCormick and Schmick doesn't see the value of increased traffic from black Here we go. I knew that was coming. Black <laughs> allies and photography. My God, MNS is in the BG of a thousands of pics and couldn't monetize a dime of it. I'm going to skip all the way to the bottom. Burning Yelp hell, you soon be bankrupt, son of a bitch. Damn it, Wesley out. Wesley, <sighs> Wesley so your. Your conversations with the city when you first started this. Um, so give people some context. Did you you knew that it wasn't going to be permanent, correct? But did you right. did you did you not know? Of course, you couldn't have known that one of the institutions on that street would be one of the main catalysts for why they would open it. Right, and that that was my primary issue 
with the situation. Um, um, going as far back as to, I think it was like maybe like May. Yeah, so like late May, the city was already planning to try, they, they were trying to make a pedestrian plaza a thing in Charlotte, right? Uh, this is something they've been wanting to work on for years. So um, Tyler proposed the idea and then a tweet went out about it and um, um, 10 minute guys from uh, Creative CLT hit up Sam Guzzi and then Sam contacted me and they're like, yo, we have an opportunity to uh, paint this street. We can make something huge happen, right? So we were able to make a lot happen in a little bit of time. And we knew it was gonna be temporary um, to the point that even when I got done painting, my first question to the city was, hey, um, how are y'all going to preserve it? Like, are you going to keep the street shut down? Are we going to spray it? Like, do you have anything currently right now that we can use to like, you know, preserve the street mural? They hadn't thought that far ahead, right? And for a city like Charlotte, it's obvious like this is their first foyer into fully uh, supporting public arts. Um, this is the first time they've seen this much of a positive response to public art. So from the time I started painting that mural, I knew that there was like a, a countdown to, to when the street was going to open back up, right? And the city voting to open the plaza for traffic, get, traffic again didn't bother me. It was the, it was the misplaced um, ill will of white institutions essentially saying that they didn't benefit from the hard work of, of the artists involved, that they didn't benefit from the increased traffic of not only black people coming to the plaza, but people from around Charlotte and surrounding areas coming to that spot. Um, it bothered me that they just completely overlooked the fact that we're in a global pandemic. Um, there's a statewide mask mandate. They can only have a limited number of people inside their space. There's no parking in uptown anyway. So your ballet services really don't mean much of anything, right? Right. It bothered me that at that moment, I was able to see through the bullshit that they were proposing and I heard the dog whistle and they were essentially saying they didn't like that many black people being out there. That's really what it was. And I know like um, places like uh, uh, Starbucks, they were booming and busting. They didn't have any problems, right? We didn't stop any traffic for FedEx. Uh, one bank, they were still good. Everything was still standing with the Negroes out there having fun, having picnics, having dates on the mural. Uh, the kids riding their bicycles and popping wheelies all day and stuff, right? They weren't bothering anybody. There's no such thing as a quiet dinner outside. Uptown. On, yeah, uptown Triangle, yeah, right? Because even with the traffic out there, you got smoke and loud music and horns in your ear constantly. So I just would have rather McCormick or Smith just came out and said, um, we don't support the movement because they don't. Um, as much time we spent out there, you thought they would offer a glass of water or say, y'all can come use the bathroom or invited a nigga back to have like a little private dinner, or at least, you know, like wine on us, right? Which they don't owe us anything, but the fact that they were in such close proximity and had so many opportunities to connect and to build on top of this movement, right? It was protests in March going on outside your building all day, every day. Y'all could have sold something. Right, y'all could have profitized off this like any other evil corporation. They profitize off the movement. Y'all just mm -hmm. suck at business, right. and I don't want me and my artists to be viewed as a nuisance for your shortcomings and your failures. Right. 
So, so, and that, and that's a, that's a, that's a great answer. So go, so kind of contrast to what Ricky was saying, where, you know, the folk they're working with out there are owners of that space. Mm -hmm. The uptown portion of it was subsidized and IE given permission through the city where we don't own any of that. So you can kind of, I guess people don't record, kind of don't see the difference. Yeah, they don't. The misplaced, I guess, you know, rhetoric for whatever. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't. I don't want to say people's anger is is misplaced, right? Okay. Um, because you're allowed to feel the way you want to. Right. Um, I do put the onus on the city. Um, they should have recognized the impact this was going to have on its citizens. Um, like it doesn't take a genius to know that if you shut down the plaza and you put a mural on it, and now you have kids playing on it day in day out, that says a lot about the structure of the city, right? Yes. Why are the kids not playing in their own neighborhood? Why would the kids hop on their bikes, ride two to three miles uptown? to just have a safe space in the, in the middle of traffic, right? What is that saying about the structure of your city? What does that say about the funding, right? In which you have all these black people, they don't have any place to congregate except for on this one mural in Uptown, okay? So for you to open that up and then you, you know, you essentially take this from people, uh, you, 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 you strip Charlotte of, of this landmark, uh, you, you, you strip Charlotte of a piece of its cultural identity, that uh, people swear for down doesn't exist, but clearly it does. It's you know, it's insulting. It was a and, trash move. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. All, we all recognize for what it was. It, it was it was a trash move. Yeah. So Ricky, I want I want to ask you, um, the long you know, what is the long term effect you want? What you're doing on Bayes Ford Road to have? Do you want people to start coming out to the Ford to see that stuff? Is is that artwork a is to be utilized as a driver for people to come visit? Or is that really for the neighborhood to say, hey, listen, you know, this is, this is us, we're good, whether people see it or not. Um, so what is your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think like first and foremost, it's for our young like black and brown boys and girls that are living on those blocks, right? So like research says that like powerful colors, positive words have influence on the brain. You can read it, you can see it. But I think about prior to six, eight months, uh, I know there's been some murals in five points, but outside of that, when you look at the stretch between before 277 and Sunset Road, road there's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I noticed. It's like you cross this little, like you get to this five points area and there's some great stuff there and amazing, amazing. But how do we get that further across, across the line? You know, and I realized that there was a line, right? A lot, even when I told people where I lived, you know, eight, nine years ago, they would always talk about this imaginary line where McDonald's or Burger King crossed, right? That's right. But that's sort of <laughs> where the line was, right? And I would tell them, yeah, I live on Gilbert. And they're like, oh, you're right there. I'm like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine, right? So I think first and foremost, it's for those that live there. It's for the youth to be able to see powerful images, right? Why can't, why can't uh, those children and those like, um, young adults and even adults walk out and see Beatty's fr- strong in front of Nikki's and feel a certain way. And now that has um, has been reframed and you see people coming out. Secondly, I all I do think there's a there's another natural effect of bringing more people out to the West End to help further shift some of the narrative that has been placed around um, those three words of Beatty's Ford Road. Right now, um, I'm sure it's well documented uh, documented now that you know, Beatty's Ford Road is going through its own redevelopment, right? Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear of, you know, is, 
is West End going to become the next Brooklyn Village, right? But I do think that you do have um, some developers that are on the forefront of that, that are doing the work. Um, you know, we are having um, a variety of people from the West End and across Charlotte coming to the Rosa Parks Farmer's Market on 2020 uh, Bayes Ford Road, uh, which was actually where, Wesley, if you remember, that was when we hosted that first, like, artist meeting that I, like, yep. Abandoned building, no light, open the door, the sunlight. Um, so I think the first answer is yes. It's for those here. I think there's a natural effect that hopefully it'll bring more folks over to the West End to eat the food, right? Eat at West End Seafood, get a haircut, go to the grocery store, run a family dollar, go to the farmer's market and realize that the narrative painted of the most dangerous block or blocks um, may not be the actual truth and narrative, you know? Let's push back by experience. And I think we've started to see that uh, since we painted the murals. We did that Western mural alleyway and we had people of all shapes, sizes, colors, cultures walk down. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been cool to see. But for me, I think it's really about the youth that live here. And I see it, you know? They're proud, they're taking pictures, they're like hashtagging and like, wanting to shift the perception themselves. And that's what's up. So I, I want to talk about, so again, you know, part of what, you know, you all are doing is what we've known for years, which is, you know, there's beautification. Um, and a part of that breeds, you know, esteem, culture, and, and the artists usually are the ones leading that. Um, and so we know Uptown's going to be Uptown. You know, we mm -hmm. know what that's going to be. But Wesley, you're over, you know, your studio is in um, Camp North End. You know, Ricky, you know, you're over on Beatty's Ford Road. Uh, and so you talk about the West End and we know that, again, as you pointed out, Ricky, that development is coming. You know, people are coming. Things are going to continue um, to grow. They, they never stay static. There's always someone else eyeballing it for potential um, and what can happen. How, how as artists and, and folk who are cultural purveyors, how do you feel about that? I mean, honestly, that, you know, nobody wants to do shit over there until y'all motherfuckers, you know, got some shit going on. And you make mm -hmm. it look nice, people start popping up, people start IGing, people start, you know, coming through. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, this looks like a good place to do something. And then right. they, the work that you've done sometimes gets co-opted, you know, or removed. Because now we know we, we're going to do something else now. That building that you, you know, that someone once owned, we're going to tear that down and we're going to build something else. And they don't want a mural. So how, That's how happening. do you all... Yeah, so how do you all feel about that? How do you That's, both feel listen, about that? It's happening. Go I'm, not ahead, go ahead. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like I've so it's like I'm not a Charlotte native, um, but I've had opportunities to do things on the west side and I had to consider my position, right? Cause like I would love to give something to my people. Cause you know, uh like Betty's Ford isn't any different from like West Greenville, like two five Green Street, you know, like all the hoods across America, been there, right? I'm comfortable in that spot. But a lot of times artists are like the harbingers of like gentrification. Um, as soon as we show up, start putting up murals, uh, a little coffee shop that might be black owner has a lot of black customer clientele in there pops up and all of a sudden we have the white folk and they're buying up every piece of land. And while they're saying that they're our neighbors they're the ones calling the police on us, right? So it's like, you want to be very careful in particular about what you do and where you do it. Now, as far as like, I know, as far as like sustainability of keeping 
the West Side as we currently know it. I don't really think that's possible. All the deals have been done. All the shit's been purchased and stuff, right? But I don't know. We're, we're just in a very precarious situation. Um, being a black artist puts you in a position where your back is against the wall, right? You can do good for your people. And at the same time, it's like ushering them into a burning house, right? And, and this is what Dr. King was talking about, right? right. Um, the, fight for injust- the fight for justice doesn't necessarily e- equate to like balance. Right. And we're seeing right now in a city like Charlotte, where we have a lot of urban explorers and, you know, people from New York that are just pointing at any place on the map. And they're like, Charlotte, Charlotte. I've heard that before. Let me go there because I'm paying half. I'll pay half of what I pay up here to go, right? It's just difficult. And for a city that is like under the foot of, of gentrification right now, it's a weird position to be in. But by all means, like, I would love to put as many black faces in black and white spaces as possible. And, you know, it's definitely our duty. I agree with what Ricky said. Like, we're essentially gardeners. We're planting seeds all across the city. And we're going to be ushering mm-hmm. in like a new generation of artists that are not only confident within themselves, but they also be like equipped with the proper tools and resources and environment for them to actually thrive. Yeah. And I would just, I would just add, like, I know specific to the West side, like my dream, but I'm sure others as well is that we could have something like a, like a black market Charlotte on the West side. Right. Mm-hmm. Like how do we have a creative yield or, or whatever it might be that helps to incubate young, um, West Side Youth Art Talent. You have amazing schools within 150 feet of each other, right? right? You have Northwest School of the Arts. You have West Charlotte that's building a new campus. I mean, yep. they, you have University Park. Um, you know, I could go on and on about the different neighbor associations and um, community gardens that are nearby. Um, if we were to be able to have a space and this is a, an open call to anyone watching this, right? That has a stake in the West Side. But if we were able to have a space that can help to grow um, our current black creatives, but also Charlotte youth. That's like, I say that a bazillion times, but it's true. Like if it we're is. not investing in Charlotte youth, mm-hmm. then like we're not investing in the future. Right. So it's like, it's investing in art now to help mentor and like develop the kids that are in those seats. Like, 20 feet away there's kids at northwest school of the arts and west charlotte that are doing amazing things and i'm saying creatives right because yes. that could be art it could mean hair it could be makeup it could be a variety of things right it could be wood shop um if we're, if they are not part of that space and a part of that discussion then it's just a cool space to do cool shit right and that's not what you know that's not what we need we need an opportunity you know, like, you know, like you said, Wesley, I agree. In the, in the midst of this building that's going to happen, whether we like it or not, having the space to be able to be at the forefront with whether it be architects, right? There's an open call for black architects right now in Camp North End, right? So like yeah. to be able to have a space in a place that we know is going to grow in the next two to three, five years is important. Um, I know it's coming. I get calls now to buy my house. Of course. I mean, you can kind oh, of, course. yeah, you know when it's coming, right? <laughs> um, but it, uh, you know, there, there's ways around it, right? We also have, um, you know, invested people that are beyond invested to the West Side, right? Historic West End Partners and Jatanya Adams. Um, I probably call her a bazillion times a week. 
but um, she has obviously has uh, um, she knows more about the West Side than I would say I've never met um, and has been able to help me kind of maneuver through the politics that sometimes I'm not even aware of, you know, and just seeing, you know, the different things that are occurring. So I would say in different, you're right, different neighborhoods, you can take it around the country. There needs to be space that's dedicated to allow creativity and community to come together. So let me ask, let me ask you this, Ricky. So with, with, with regards to with Wesley's situation, you know, the city said, hey, we want to do something um, and we're going to put it right here in prime time. Has the city at least reached out or t- said, hey, listen, I like what you guys are doing. I mean, Nate, you've mm-hmm. got the space, you've taken it on. And, and you're already doing the work. Has the city even thought outside of the bit? We understand the business aspects of what the city will, again, invest in and reinvest in. But when they see you out there doing the work, when they see what can be done, um, the positivity that it's bringing, like you said, the beautification, has the city at least reached out or is it because it's Beatty's Fort Road? No, I, I, would say, <laughs> I would say so the city actually came to the first artist meeting. Okay. Um, many people may not be aware of that, but they did. And uh, there was something in the plan that we were working on um, and things shifted a bit. Um, uh, and it wasn't necessarily to their like fault. It was just the landscape shifted a bit. Okay. Um, you know, when you get a lot of people in the kitchen, everybody wants to cook. And me, mm-hmm. I have no problem standing to the corner and cutting up these carrots. I have no problem doing that. Um, but I think uh, we're in a better spot now where I think we got the right people in the kitchen and um, I'm hoping to be like, reestablishing some conversations with them um, after Thanksgiving uh, okay. to talk about kind of the, uh, the dream project um, of, of what could be on that road. Okay. And help and make, to, sure, and make uh, sure, listen, you uh, charge them $5.2 million. And <laughs> right. So, so, so back to, so Wesley, back to, to your point um, and, and to ask this question or raise this question. Um, and, and not getting into the financial aspect. You know, none of us need to know, you know, who got paid what, how much that it costs to do that. But we do know this city invests heavily in other stuff. And uh-huh. there was about millions of dollars <laughs> for things um, that they deem necessary, worthy, um, or worthwhile. So as it pertains now to the mural, now that the street is open, um, we recognize that it'll probably get washed away. You know, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade away over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, has there has there been a conversation about doing something else someplace else? And if so, are you going to fucking charge the fuck out of it? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, most definitely. So it's like before, so like before this happened and stuff, right? Uh, they were trying to find ways to essentially open the street but preserve the mural, right? So the intent was the mural's going to stay there until it came time to be repaved. Um, there was an option of like actually like digging parts of the letters up and then letting them be like freestanding sculptures, which would have been like dope as fuck if you're gonna repave the whole city. I mean, repave the whole street, might as well take the street with you. Right. Um, they have given us like options to maybe like do like uh, an actual wall someplace else in the city, but they haven't found it. So they were, they were rushing at the last minute to try to figure out the best way to continue what was started, right? And in all honesty, like these plans should have been made the day after. So the second we got done painting and they saw citizens blocking off the street so cars couldn't drive over it, the wheel should have been spinning to say, 
what can we do as an alternative to continue this, right? Because we all knew it was going to be negative feedback. I'm pretty sure they knew it was going to be negative feedback about it. But, I mean, I don't want to say we got cheated or we got gypped. Uh, a lot of us as artists just pretty much volunteered to do that mural just because we wanted to, right? It wasn't necessarily about the money, but we were in the throes of civil unrest. We've been through a lot of shit. I myself have been at like three marches by then at that point. So just being able to get that message across and not have to verbally or sonically like talk to anybody about it, right? We were able to make our point. Uh, we doubled down on it and you know, the rest of the world follows suit after that. But to any artists out here listening right now, um, if the city offers you, the invita offers you an invitation to work on any project, right? Whatever number they give you for a budget, ask for double. double. They got that shit. They got it. They got it. They got it. Um, like, we have seen them throw money at stupid shit, right? Um, for me personally, like, every time I'm pulled over by an officer in the city, I just sit down and start estimating, like, how much money was spent on that stop, right? A couple years ago, I was pulled over dropping off T-shirts. I was pulled over by at least 12 squad cars. So it's like 12 squad cars, close to 14 officers. Um, three of them had on vests. It was one drug dog, and two of them had, like, the full heavy artillery and stuff, right? So I'm just calculating how much money was spent to hold me captive for 30 minutes of my time, right? And then the best you can give me is, like, $500 to paint something in the middle of the street that got you a full 30 days' worth of media coverage, right? Something that brought millions of dollars into your city during the pandemic, right? It was huge. The best you could give me was 500 and I'm not complaining about that because I accepted it. But I know you can do better because, you know, the police get all the toys and they just waste everybody's time. So, so the question I got for both of you all is, how do you, you know, how do you choose artists to, you know, to do these things? You know, because, again, you know, you guys can't do all that work by yourselves. Mm -hmm. So you have to make conscientious choices of who you want to do it with. But so the, the question after that is, you know, once people have done the work with you all, you know, someone's going to see it. And we want them to get, you know, notoriety, get promoted. Does that serve into folk now getting asked to do other things where they undercut these budgets? When we talk about having a collective unity, when we talk about pricing money, if, yeah. if, if I know that the city, I can call someone and say, listen, you know, Wesley, you're talking about 2000, but you know what I'm saying? You was in on that thing. I'll give you 200. Does that continue to hurt the process? Or how, I, get, how do, I guess, how do we nurture this process based on the folk that you're giving, you know, access um, notoriety to for projects mm -hmm. like this. I mean, these are both big projects. You know, yeah. BLM, Mady's Four, these are huge projects. Um, folk, folk are getting noticed because as we all do it, I, you know, I, go, I drive by, I, 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 you know, I Instagram it, I'll tag the artist. Folk are starting to see, you know, people, we're all doing it. So how, yeah. does that, how does that go into the collective unity where we all will benefit and make sure the city doesn't jip folk or other people don't jip you by saying, well, listen, well, you know, they'll, I'll do it for 200 because, you know, I, I want to keep my name Man. out yeah. Okay, I mean, okay, well, first things first is uh, we need to start being transparent with our money, right? Um, there is nothing wrong, rude, or crude about telling somebody about how much you made off a project and then asking them how much they're being paid, right? Um, I have the privilege of being at, like, Camp North End, so, like, a lot of my white uh, contemporaries and counterparts, you know, they getting paid 10 stacks, right, for a basic wall. And, like, uh, one of the homies, like, Matt Moore, he put me on game a couple of years ago. He said that essentially when he goes into these meetings and makes these proposals and he talks to people and stuff, it's like, 
um, how much would you pay per month for a billboard, right? So if it costs like 8, 10, 12, 20 stacks a month to have a billboard, primetime real estate and stuff, why would I get paid any less than that, right? Why would I get paid less than what it costs to print out a vinyl when I'm coming out here and doing 40 hours plus of work on a wall that people can physically take pictures in front of, right? And the wall's going to remain there until somebody decides to take it down. That could be years, right? So if you're going to be able to drop 5K plus for, for like one billboard, I can't accept anything less for a wall. Right. It don't matter the size of the wall. It's just, I can't do any less. So it, it's, it's just about being transparent with this information. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like the old NBC thing. The more you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say also it's about, yeah, I mean, I would agree with Wesley. It's about asking questions, right? Um, I think, like, I've just been trying to push more creative ways to bring more people um, on board, right? So if somebody – you know, comes to me with an idea for a project, I'm going to find a way to bring like eight other people with me. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been, that's been my approach is like, um, all right, that's cool. But now let's like open this up a little bit and let's invite eight other people to do it, to do it together. Right. So um, I think that's what I've learned also about the Charlotte creatives is like, you have a lot of like young creatives mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it is about how do you give them, um, opportunities as well um so that's what i've been doing i like i think the bulk of my time is like wesley said is you hold to your line um you know you push on the numbers because you know what the value is um, but for me it's also creatively thinking about how do i bring on more people um that could benefit off of this rather than it just being like one or two or three artists yeah. um and, you know, hopefully everyone can reap the benefit. Like, so a group of 10 or eight artists can reap the benefits of one project, get paid a wage that um, they would feel comfortable with, um, but also will get a, a, a reach to the community as well. I try, Which, I, I, I try my best. So I try my best to focus on one or two artists at a time, right? Okay. Um, pro primarily because, like, I'm, I'm reaching a position where I have opportunities. And I know that if I speak greatly about somebody or an artist, that's going to change their life, or at least it's going to open up an opportunity for them to get their foot in the door. So I would rather just one person at a time get all the shine, all the accolades, all the interviews, all that shit, right? So that not only can like they help themselves, but you know, I, I believe in the hazing process, right? You know, like... <laughs> I run black market like a fraternity, essentially. It's like I'm pulling you in your own line, and now you're taking on this behemoth of a project, and I'm going to yell at you about it. Right. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to talk shit. I'm going to put you through as much as possible. But when you get through, it's going to look great because you're not going to make Big Brother Damon Wesley look bad for having faith, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just, you know, that's, that's just me personally. And, it, you know, it's more than enough space in Charlotte for, like, everybody to, you know, get their own shot and get their celebrity. But I think it's important that, that we take the time to like highlight black people and give them their like moment to like really just like show their ass. So that's what we do. I'm really proud of like the group that I curated for the Black Lives Matter mural. I know like Dakota and 2Gs and Frankie and Michaela and Abel, they have been like fucking killing it. Since June, right? right? They have not been sleeping. I know, like, Frankie and, and 2G's just finished a basketball court. 
and um and Rocky. Yeah. I know I, I know Dakota has been doing like a new mural every month since June. Like um Abel's mural in, in Noda is fucking breathtaking if you haven't seen that shit, right? And and you know, for like somebody like him, this is a guy who was like this is a guy who was like the actual infrastructure of Noda before it got gentrified, right? So like when I was a younger cat, I would like go to like the art crawls and I would go around the corner to the art house where a studio used to be like right where the blue line is and stuff, right? Now that that's gone, he has like this behemoth of a mural and it's all about blackness, it's all about youth. It is everything that we are and we need more of this. But the question is, would these opportunities have existed had these individuals not been highlighted in such a way, right? So it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's hard to curate and give people opportunities, but you know, do your best to be strategic. People that pick people that you know will be able to execute and will also, you know, have a bit of competition and try to like one up you, right? When it comes to the arts, we gotta keep building and I feel like we're finally in a good place. And you and I and I and I I firmly believe you are. And I think so the question now on the table, because you know, we started we started this off talking about, you know, and we always talk about business. That's the one thing I believe in, you know, equity. I, I believe in artists getting paid. And then, you know, the other side of that is, you know, these businesses that you all are putting the artwork near should be capitalizing off what is happening, or they should be involved, invested in the process to make sure you get paid. So, and, and, I, and I think about, you know, Ricky's work on Base Ford. Let me say, like I said, I went to John C. Smith University. So I've been in Charlotte, you know, almost, you know, 30 years. Um, and Nikki's, Nikki's, I've never seen Nikki's more now than I have because of the work that's being done. You know, folk now can go get a Nikki salad, which really ain't salad, it's all chicken, maybe some egg, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the thing about it is, you know, these are businesses that historically have been there all this time and people may not know about them, but they'll now know about them because of the work that's put up and folk come by and visit. Mm -hmm. Back to McCormick and Schmicks. You know what I'm saying? I, I used to go to M&S maybe, you know, years ago for the happy hour, you know, the $6 wine, you know, have, you know, quick business meeting or such or whatever, but high, you know, high traffic area. Um, they didn't necessarily need a mural right there to be seen because they're on Tryon, but to have a mural on Tryon only boosted again and elevated right. their scope in the city. So talk, so do either of you work, want to work with the business community and say, listen, or is that a part of the conversation with businesses? Hey, listen, we're getting ready to do this. There could be an uptick in business for you all. How do we all create an ecosystem around that and not just, you know, hey, you know, we got our work off and now we're off to the next project. Um, is that a part of those conversations? I mean, yeah, yeah, de definitely. And I, I, I feel personally like that work needs to be done on like two sides, right? Um, it needs to always be like a Malcolm and a Martin to every approach. So there does need to be somebody on the inside who has these relationships with these businesses, who is making sure that these businesses are open to paying a grip for uh, not only their interior art, but their exterior art, right? But there also needs to be somebody who's more focused on getting money from the city to take on like projects like the Black Lives Matter mural and stuff, right? It needs to be happening from both sides, right? We, we, we can't achieve our common goal if we're only following one route to get there, right? Um, but, you know, by all means, it should be our jobs to make as much white money circulate. We need to make as much white money circulate into the black community and make sure it stays there. Um, too often as like black businesses, we just try to focus on each other. 
and I'm only selling to black folk. I'm only making products for black folk. I'm only doing things with black people, right? Which is good, but we're just circulating the same dollar. I want to make sure we get the MS dollar and we keep it. I want to get the Bank of America dollar and keep it. I want to get the Uptown Charlotte money and keep it to ourselves. In the same way, when you used to go to MS, they want to circulate that shit back to the West Side. No. Keith Cradle wouldn't see that dollar once he put it back in the MS, right? Right. So we just need to create like an actual like ecosystem in which we are all doing our part to make sure that we are just normalizing um this act of working with black artists right you know me selling a business a, a mural or a painting shouldn't be like this abstract obscure thing to these to a lot of these owners and stuff right because when i do propose like i did the owner it's always oh, i don't know we never we never thought of that or how would it work that like that shouldn't be right now it's 2020 and Charlotte has this facade of like being a major metropolitan area, but, but every major metropolitan I go to, they fuck with the artists. It's art everywhere, right? I can tell the story of Charleston and I don't have to read it on a plaque. Like I can see it visually. I can see it in Atlanta, New York, LA, any like any city worth its weight. I can tell the culture. I can tell what kind of food I'm gonna get. I can tell what kind of people I'm gonna run into just by the street art or the interior art or the photograph, like, you know, Sal had pictures on the wall, right? They were all Italian, but Sal had pictures on the wall. So I knew what I was getting from Sal's. When I walk into places down here, I don't get any of that. And the whole idea of this like stuffy corporate bank structure having to be stale, that shouldn't exist anymore. So like with, with brothers like you and Ricky out here, I'm pretty sure like we can just hit all these places over the head and just, you know, just wear them down and to envy out those pockets. Because if you want engagement, you want traffic, you need art. You need something that's going to feed into people's egos and stuff, right? So if you want the girls with the hats and the IG accounts and the TikToks to just stay in your business and continue to run up your traffic numbers, give them something to take the pictures in front of. I love you, man. Ricky? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I can follow that. You got um, it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think, I think he said it. I mean, I think it's also, you know, helping to educate um, – some of the older businesses that are on the West End, West End too, you know, um, encouraging businesses that maybe don't have social media to get social media that, Hey, we're going to do this project and it's going to bring people over. So maybe you have a special that comes out and, you know, really connecting it. So, um, so, so a business, also, a business like Nikki's, a business like Nikki's yeah. that has, and has been there. I'm telling they have been there, you know, yeah, 30, know. 40, 40 years have, you know, what, what, what was their initial, response I mean, I for called, this. So, I, so here's what happened right so um i don't know if i told this but um so i i originally wanted the wall across the street right so there's a mini mart there and mm -hmm. i wanted that wall and i called them and um didn't really get the right answer probably but what i could remember i didn't get the right answer i probably also wasn't speaking to the right person mm, yeah. um i called Right. I called Nikki's. This is so I like this is, you know, I'm in, I don't know. Uh this was in maybe was it June, maybe? Um and mind you, this is all like while I'm like, you know, I'm getting ready to open up a high school, right? In mm -hmm. August. So this is like in the midst 
of all of that, right? So I got a minute. So I call Nikki, literally call Nikki's, right? And I'm talking like, let me speak to your manager. I'm like, yo, who owns who owns this building, right? And I'm telling him about the idea. And he's like, yeah, but you, I don't like, you got to talk to the owner of the building. So he gives me the, the number of the owner of the building. I call the owner of the building and I'm telling him about this, you know, this project. And he owns, you know, a variety of buildings. Um, super invested in the West End, was aware of the massacre, um, you know, called me back 10 minutes later and was like, yeah, let's do it. Then I was like, then I go out there and I'm like, crap, I need to get a lift because you got like a ramp going down and I can't get this ladder up. So I call him back and I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it swing. I got to get this, 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 uh, this lift. Remember, this isn't funded. This is like in a three-day period of like, I want to do something. I got permission. Now I need to like figure out how to get the supplies. And he ends up like funding the lift for 30 wow. days. And give nice. money for paint, right? So, like, it is about, you know, what I've learned is this. It's, it's the story. And I think that's what Wesley's harping at, too. When you go into these pizza shops in New York and you see all these photos and you can breathe and smell the identity, it's the story, right? He has a story that's connected to that massacre. Um, personally he has a story connected to the west end where like he didn't he met me for the first time when i was on a lift 30 feet in the air you know i was just a voice on the other phone but he invested into the story i could have been anybody right but he invested into the story to know that like whoa this is like a positive result and it's something i want to be a part of and i think that's what i'm hoping to continue to do and probably we're all continuing to do is continue to tell these stories, make sure our creatives um, are being taken seriously and are part of all these conversations and they're not being taken advantage of, right? And then I think the, the bigger hope is that um, the city continues to um, put forth or shift extra funding towards projects, towards creatives to help um, further show the identity that Wesley's talking about, you know? Um, and, and that is, that, I think that is a, a great segue to as we get ready to wrap up. Um, you know, this, <laughs> my man, that's my guy right there. Um, we, let, so as we get ready to wrap up, you know, November, we're going, November's almost over, December's on its way, January's coming. You know, what, what do you all want, you know, the next couple of months to look like? I mean, how do we keep moving forward? We know COVID had folk by the balls for a while. But, you know, art is always going to be relevant. Um, art is always going to be provocative. Art is providing people opportunity, jobs, um, spaces, particularly here in Charlotte. Um, and, we, and we understand that, you know, there's always going to be new frontiers to, to expand to, to explore. Um, you know, a lot of these places are overdone. We know no doubt it's kind of overdone, um, but that is an artist haven. Um, Camp North End is soon going to be overrun. Everyone's hanging out there now. It becomes a hip spot, you know, you know, place to hang out, but not necessarily. I hope folks are supporting the business. I always tell folks, don't just keep coming by there taking pictures. Hope you're buying something. They ain't buying shit. Baby's <laughs> <laughs> Ford Road, we know. Um, we, we're talking about that development that's coming in the, in the coming years. Um, those things are going to happen. You know, how, how, do you, how do you two brothers push through? What are you thinking about? 
Um, what does 2021 look like? I mean, as, as much as you can forecast right now, again, you know, we, we all had a forecast for this year and that shit went <laughs> sideways. Yeah. But as much as you can forecast, you know, what are you, what are you looking forward to or, you know, in 2021? Um, I will, you know what, I'm going to double down and say it right here. Charlotte is on the precipice of his own Harlem Renaissance right now, right? Um, there have been so many people working in the background of, of, of building a, a, a structurally sound foundation for an art community to stand on for the past 10 years. I've seen it. I've been in the trenches with it. And with COVID, it has actually been a blessing to a lot of creatives. Um, not only has it given us an opportunity to use our creative problem-solving skills, but since everybody's been so starved for like content, for things to do, activities, we have been the ones that they have come to. We have been the ones that have been speaking for them. We have been the voice of the people. We have created the visuals of the people. We like, we're now on a first name basis with people that plan shit for the fucking city, right? Mm -hmm. This wouldn't have happened before. Um, I know even like now, like across the nation, a lot of like uh, art institutions, like museums, are having to rely on their local talent now, right? They should have been fucking with the local talent prior to, yeah. but now they're being forced to, right? So um, I'm gonna move. In 2021, you can expect Off the Plantation Part Two, right? Okay. Happening at the Elder Gallery. Um, I can also say on the Hill, Black Market will be infiltrating several other white spaces in which you don't get to see people like us or things that we create very often. And, you know, me and my partner, we're just focused on equipping our artists and our affiliates with the proper tools to infiltrate, agitate, and force change down Charlotte's throat. Because if niggas is gonna be out here paying $1,200 a month for rent, we gotta make sure this shit is actually fucking worth it. So that being said, uh, put your diapers on because I'm gonna have y'all niggas out here shitting. <laughs> Love it, Ricky. I can't. I can't follow that, man. I just. I'm gonna have to hard. make you go first. They have to make you go first <laughs> no, every no, time no. now. Uh, what you say? I'm gonna um, have to make you no, go first no, every time. I mean, I don't know. I guess get your huggies and pull up. I mean, that's right. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I need to get that on a shirt. That's merch. That's merch coming right from this episode. Look at that. He on it. Um, man, I don't know. I think it's for 2021, it is uh, continuing, you know, similar to what he said, continuing to hit them over the head, right? Continue to put uh, particularly black creatives in the forefront. Um, I have worked on something or many things every month since March. So that's been a blessing. Um, so continuing to do that work. And, um, you know, I think from the West End standpoint, it's hoping to work with uh, some of these developers that have a invested interest into the community in the West End to ensure that um, as the community changes and shifts, um, that the residents of the community are part of those conversations and, and are part of that development. More black businesses to the West Side, West End, um, and bringing, bringing more uh, people of different cultures over here to taste the food um, you know, and really experience uh, what Baby's Ford Road is really about. So the, the project that's already started, how, is, is more being done with that? Is that, how, how much more of that are you going to continue? Yeah, to do? Or is yeah. That so we have, um, 
there's probably about two more walls coming. Um, so we got one probably coming, will be finished in December. Um, so we were actually, that same first wall that I didn't get, I was actually able to finally get. So um, that one is, um, I'm actually going to be working on that this week. Um, and then we got one more coming, but um, trying to kind of like just, just, just close the loop on any of the ones that we said we were going to do and then start 2021 and, and just keep it pushing like wall by wall. Wall by wall. Ricky, can I ask you a favor? Can I ask you for one favor? Yeah. If you figure out who owns the mighty midget, let me know. I I'm, have to go wall there. I'm I'm already talking to them, so we should talk after. Bit. Okay. Look at that. Look at that. Only only here. Well, because that yeah, because they saw me across the street painting. <laughs> and I, um, and and the mighty midget, you know, has a lot of history there as That's well. History there too. That's right. Yeah. I called them like I called them like two years ago. I called them like three times, and every time I was like, "Hey, can I get in contact with the manager? Somebody owns better." Like, oh, we don't, we don't, we, we don't know, we don't know, we don't. Yeah, no, I'll, yeah. I'll connect with you maybe um, this week about it. But um, yeah, I mean, my hope is that you know, twenty twenty one, you're gonna people will start driving that base forward and be like, "Wow, there's no more walls." Right. Well, I, you know, I, I believe it's going to get there. Um, you know, again, as people take inventory of the city, they start to venture out. They see more. Um, the farmer's market is amazing. I frequent it, you know, plenty of times this summer. Um, there's a lot happening. I think people just need to see it um, and build their own self-confidence to want to go and, and not hear, not just based on what they've heard, but to experience that. And I think the work that you're doing gives people an opportunity to do that you know, through a warm engagement, um, whether that's just seeing the artwork for the first time, but also getting yeah, to know I mean, all that stuff out there. We we had we had the Charlotte Symphony in Alleyway on the West End. Yeah, you did. Like full symphony. That's huge. You know, like that's that music has never been played on that concrete on that block. Those people have never been there, and that project in itself, um, I know, um, you know is planning to be released soon but um we had a lot of people reach out there because that's a, that's its own thing right it's like the 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 obstacles on the type of genres that's right right why was that the first time right the first like my kids small kids right my fourth and fifth grader has never seen a live instrument like that being played and thought it was fake right it's because it's like it's not in front of us right well, you know, we and we talk about that a lot on this show. That that is the that that is the institution's fault. Those are the bigger institutions' fault for not creating engagement opportunities. And and I've I've asked this of the ASC, you know, Jeep, even when Robert Bush, when they, they've both been on the show, that you know, even with the culture block, sometimes things get missed or the opportunities to bring certain things they always get shaken up and sent someplace else instead of thinking outside of their normal box per se. But you know, that's another show for another day. But listen, brothers, I wanna, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all go, man. Ricky, I know you got to get that tree. You got to get that tree decorated. Um, I don't know if yes, you're cooking. Dude. I don't know who's cooking this, who's cooking this weekend. If y'all got to get ready to prepare for some turkeys. But, man, I just want to, again, salute both of you brothers for doing the amazing work of this community, uh, particularly in our art community. You guys are knocking it out the park. I love knowing you both, man. I love seeing it. Always, always let me know how I can support um, what we can do here at Crafted with Cradle. Continue to get the message out. Um, and so, as always, we do like a virtual toast. So, if you still got those drinks, I know Wesley, I know you still drinking, brother. You know, you you gonna be drinking until ten thirty. Um, <laughs> so, put it up to the to the screen. Cheers, brothers. Um, keep doing what you're doing, and we will be in touch. And, and I love y'all. And as always, you can catch Crafted with Cradle 
you know, here on Sweet929.tv, all your normal podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Um, we're going to get back to our normal schedule again. COVID has us all fucked up. We produce when we can. We get shows when we can. But we're going to get back to our regularly scheduled program back for season four. We will see you um, in the new year. Uh, you can always watch old episodes. This is old episodes on iTunes if you haven't caught up. But just remember, you know, this is your spot. This is your platform. We're going to continue to elevate and encourage our art community and those voices. And as always, thank you. Tell somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to subscribe, to follow. Um, check us out on IG. Um, and for Chuck and Jamika for another season, um, thank you both for the amazing work that you did this year. Um, in spite of all the obstacles, we pulled it off again. So thank you so much to the both of you. We can't have Crafted with Cradle without Chuck and Jamika. So this is a this is a toast to you two. Um, thank you so much. And I am your host, Dr. Keith Cradle, and I will see you all back here again next year. Crafted with Cradle. Find Crafted with Cradle on iTunes and iHeartRadio. Check out video of the show at dailymotion.com and sweet929.tv.